total idiot of himself. The white Chana panel van stopped under the trees in Second Avenue between the Livingston High School and the backyard of the South African Police Service's Claremont Station. It was a nondescript vehicle, a 2009 model, bearing the marks of hard labor, a dent in the front bumper, scrapes and scratches on the doors at the back. The windows in the middle and rear were blanked out with cheap white paint. The side panels differed slightly in colour from the rest of the vehicle. Behind the wheel, the sniper turned off the engine, put both hands on his knees, and sat, for just a moment, dead still. He wore a blue labourer's overall, slightly faded. Long blonde hair hung down his back. A brown baseball cap was pulled down low over his eyes. With deliberate focus, he looked out of the passenger window at the deserted school grounds. Then, right. He studied the high fence across the street, the double-wire gate, and behind it, the SAPS yard, wrapped in the early evening shadow of Table Mountain. It was quiet and deserted. He made sure both doors in front were locked, clambered over the seat to the back. The storage space was untidy, boxes and trunks of metal, wood and cardboard. He sat down on a wooden box and loosened the homemade screen of faded yellow material from the carpet-lined roof. It separated him from the driver's cab, making him invisible to passers-by. He took off the cap, laid it to one side, aware that he was breathing faster, his hands trembling slightly. He relaxed his shoulders with a forced sigh bent down, opened a long, battered tool chest, and took out the removable tray. It was heavy, filled with well-worn tools, hammers, a collection of screwdrivers, cutters and pliers, metal saw blades. He put it gently down beside the chest on the rubber matting covering the floor of the chana. There were two articles in the bottom of the red box, a firearm and a K-way Kilimanjaro trekking pole. He took out the hiking pole first and propped it against his shoulder, picked up the rifle, pressed the silencer carefully through the black wrist strap on the end of the stick so that the telescope of the rifle was not interfered with, and twisted the stick anti-clockwise until the loop was tight. He pressed his cheek to the rifle butt, tested the height of the supporting hiking pole, and made an adjustment. He slid the Chana's right side panel three centimetres to the right with the small handle he had attached, then the magnetic panel outside so he could aim the barrel and telescope outwards. He pressed the rifle butt to his shoulder and looked at the SAPS car park through the scope. He adjusted the focus. In front of the big Victorian house in Brownlow Street, Grissel picked up the bouquet, got out of the car, and walked through the little garden gate to the front door. Alexa Barnard was in the process of renovating the house. The ugly giant cactus against the front fence had recently been removed. The painter's scaffolding stood high against the walls. It was all part of her recovery, he thought, her new life. He came to a halt at the front door, looked at his shoes. They gleamed. He took a deep breath. What if he had misunderstood the whole thing?
and it was a black tie affair tonight, and Alexa opened the door in some exotic evening dress. Or it was totally informal, denims and open-neck shirts. He'd never been to a music industry cocktail party before. He rang the doorbell, heard her coming down the stairs. The door opened. She stood in front of him. Yes, said Grisel. Through the peephole, the sniper saw the police van drive by, close to the Chana. It slowed, ready for the turn in at the wide gate. He waited for it to reappear in the car park in his field of vision. He kept his cheek pressed to the rifle butt, followed the van through the scope. Only one occupant, in uniform. The van drove over the tarred surface to the middle of the open area. It parked behind two other SAPS vehicles where he could...